CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey, college students, are you looking for a way to get ahead this summer? Northwestern University is offering hundreds of undergrad courses online this summer. Choose an intensive sequence in learning. Registration is open now. Visit northwestern.edu slash summer for details. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, June 25th. Very good. It's just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank these unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this program. By the way, Ben, we have a song of the day already ready already. So oh, get ready. Well, that was fast. <laughs> Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. That's correct. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9 are sponsors. That's correct. As well as the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Giant thank you to those unions for jumping on board. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, June 25th is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of labor. And for the record, I love puppies. <laughs> oh, you too? Uh, <laughs> I've already talked about for 10 minutes about J.B. Pritzker today. Great conversation with Mick Dunkey before oh, I came on the Excellent. Show. Way to talk about the things you talked about before the show. Oh, the things yeah. that no one can listen to. That's called pre-pre. Pre-show prep. Pre-pre-pre. Pre, pre, okay. prep. All right. So your song of the day, Ben, uh, it's after 1979, oh, I believe. No. So oh, we're going to no. cross our Breaking fingers here. sweat and, here. you know, if you've never heard it, just make up your own song. That's how we do it. Yeah. Today's song of the day uh-huh. brought to you by, I believe, Pat Rod. What up, Pat Rod? Working for the weekend. I actually kind of know that song. Working for the weekend, baby. <laughs> Working for the weekend every day. <laughs> That's not the song. <laughs> Do you know it? Yes. How's it go? Everybody's working for the weekend. Oh, yeah. Is that the one where they go down to Dino's? No. That's Thin Lizzy. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's the boys are back in town. Love that song. Yeah, hell yeah. That's a great song. <laughs> I have heard working for the weekend. Well, give it another try. Okay. Uh, what, what, what? Everybody's working for the weekend. Everybody's working for the weekend, but some people are working harder than others. Okay. Oh, wow. Well, they all can't be zingers, guys. <laughs> the Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Thursday, June 25th, and yes, still live from Ben's attic. This is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, union man Ed Maher returns. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Yeah, hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here calling this Joe Biden's Basket Thursday. And here's why. So I woke up bright and early today, folks. Really? I was up earlier than Dennis. Yes. Got up at about mm, 7 o'clock. Why? No, actually 6.30, to be honest. Why? Because I had to go to the dentist. Yes, the dentist in the pandemic. Had to go to the dentist. Had to get my teeth cleaned. It was an appointment I made before the pandemic hit. I was startled yesterday, D, to learn that they kept that appointment. I got one of those text reminders. I thought it was a joke. But nope. I had that dentist appointment. I thought about 
ditching it, but I don't know. You got to get your teeth cleaned. So anyway, I uh, went over to the dentist's office, and they're very they're taking a lot of precautions. It was like absolutely everyone was decked out in a hazmat suit. You know, they had face masks. It was, and then they, like, well, they put you in the seat, and they put the drill on, uh, and then they started talking to you. It was really hard to hear them with the masks and the... And I wanted to wear my mask. I go, sorry, <laughs> you can't wear your mask when you're getting your teeth cleaned. Duh. I know. It's like, can I just kind of work around it? No. Oh. Anyway. How, how does that even make sense? I know. But even, I don't know. The pandemic, I was scared. You know, wear because the sign said, wear your mask. But then, of course, you have to take your mask off when you get your teeth cleaned. Uh, anyway, uh, so the, the dentist... Uh, was uh, poking around in my teeth and cleaning things, uh, making me feel really good about myself, taking a say that I'm doing okay, this, that, the other thing. And then, right in the middle of everything, she went on this riff, ripping Trump. I know, I was caught off guard there. A liberal dentist, I'd never uh, had discussed politics with my dentist before. Uh, I've never had a liberal dentist. Back when I was a kid, I had a de- Dr. Freeman was the dentist and he was a big supporter of Richard Nixon this is back in the day when Nixon was president and I uh looked like a hippie freak because I had all his hair back then so he just assumed I was a hippie freak uh and so I'd be sitting in the chair getting my teeth cleaned and of course I can't say anything because my mouth's open and he's going on a what do you your your generation doesn't understand about Nixon is he's getting stuff done you know and he's got to drill <laughs> yeah, I'm a probably wouldn't have said anything anyway even if i could because uh guy had the drill and yeah just agree with him yeah he's, he's great yeah i love nixon yeah. yeah four more years uh anyway by the way i don't know if i ever told you this d but uh, dr freeman had the hairiest hands i've ever had you know you've day. never told me this <laughs> why would you tell me this that's kind of weird you know what i mean like i don't know the dentist with hairy hands uh, anyway, but uh, my dentist is um, not a Nixon uh, supporter, not a Trump supporter at all, and she was ripping uh, Trump uh, and uh, MAGA hat people in general, and she got off on the topic of the Trump rally in Arizona where Trump packed the church uh, with a huge collection of nitwits of the non-mask-wearing variety, uh, and uh, naturally, Trump had all the people in the auditorium who, uh, in the church who showed up sign a, a waiver uh, excusing him of any liability should they get uh, COVID-19, which some may get since they were packed into the church like sardines. Uh, anyway, noting that, my dentist de- said that Trump uh, should have made them sign a waiver where they wave away their rights to get medical treatment should they get COVID. And I was like, Oh, I was thinking about that. And she said, after all, they're blatantly and knowingly breaking the rules, uh, disobeying the doctor's orders. Uh, they're conf- they're willingly go- contacting other people in a s- confined area without the mask, even though they've been told not to do that. So if they sh- should get COVID, why should any nurse or doctor or nurse's aide have to risk their life treating them? I was like, oh my God, that's like genius. And then my second thought, is that legal? Quick, call Coogan. Jim Coogan, where are you when I need you, Jim? Just kidding. Uh, And uh, Jim Coogan, ace attorney, comes on the show maybe once a month. Oh, hey, Ben, what's going on? (laughs) To talk about uh, all all, uh, Trump's illegalities. uh, And we always ask the question, is that legal? Listen, you got to admit, my Coogan's pretty good. No, it is a good imitation. Print script, please. (laughs) Lori. Okay, we're not doing that. Today. Oh, come on, please. 
In the pre-show prep, he does it every time. But now when he's the show, he's like, oh, I'm not doing it because I'm an artist. Anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah. So uh, I thought that was a great uh, suggestion. And um, I uh, I was, you know, wasn't sure if it was illegal uh, uh, or not. And I realized, folks, that I talked about this yesterday, but it's hard not to talk about it again because as I sit here, the paper in front of me is filled with stories about quote u.s staggers back on rope as virus soars so uh the news keeps getting worse in florida texas and oklahoma they're reporting the highest single day totals even here in illinois we've been much better uh about social distancing and following protocol uh, uh, health protocols our, our rates are at least the went up i think it was over 700 cases yesterday uh first time it's been over 700 in a while so yeah the pandemic's not going anywhere and uh unfortunately our country's being led uh by a man who's decided he's had enough of the pandemic he doesn't want to deal with it anymore my dentist pointed out to me that uh president trump has your dentist yes okay. my dentist sounded like you said your dentist no no <laughs> my name's awfully close to dentist but i would have called you my dr d <laughs> okay uh, she's my dentist d uh you're dr d or dr doobie several kids have made fun of me calling me dentist is they, that right? oh yeah so which would you rather not be called, dentist or Dr. Doobie? Oh, don't, no one call me dentist. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, uh, so um, uh, so anyway, I was talking with the dentist, and she was uh, uh, pointing out that uh, Donald Trump has not had a one of those press conferences where he talks about you know the state of our country in the middle of this pandemic in quite a while. And it's pretty clear that Donald Trump has just gotten tired of the pandemic, got tired of dealing with the pandemic, got tired of sitting at the White House, wants to get uh, back on the road, wants to just bask in the cheers of all his fans. He's watching the same polls that we're seeing, ladies and gentlemen, that show he's really on the ropes uh, and it's desperate times. So he just kind of, we're done with that. Well, the reality is, of course, uh, we're not done with that. And um, so here's the thing. I really don't want to be in the position that I'm in now. I don't want to be in a position where I have to so fervently hope that Joe Biden is elected president in November. Joe Biden and I don't see eye to eye on, I don't know, Nine out of ten things. Oh, you mean this guy? Play the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone, make sure the kids hear words. Hear words. Yeah, okay. that guy. Got the note there. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Yeah. So, you know, he's way more of the centrist than I am. And my guy was Bernie. And I still haven't completely gotten over that. All right? I'm pretty much over it, but not completely gotten over it. And I really, really resent the fact that I have to put all my eggs in the Joe Biden basket. But if the other side... Yeah, what a crappy basket. You know, if the other side is going to be so freaking flat earth stupid, what choice do I have? We got a great show today, everybody. Notice I didn't hit the desk? Yeah. I, ta I pay attention to your needs and concerns. Thank you. We got a great oh show. I just, did I set him up, ladies and gentlemen? We got a great show today. Union man Ed Myers in the studio today. Not in the studio. God, I wish I were back in the studio. We'll be on the phones with us today uh, discussing, uh, well, we're going to be do, breaking down the, uh, the state of the economy. You had a long phone conversation with Mick, didn't you? 
and Ed. I, I can tell. Phone. That was, was a short intro, pal. I was on the phone uh, with Ed Maher uh, for about a half an hour, and then I was on the phone with Mick for about a half an hour. All right. Fascinating stuff. Uh, so uh, Ed Maher will be here at 2 o'clock. And then we have uh, our second drop will be uh, Akili Parnell, uh, Cannabis Conversation. So I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be available at about 7 o'clock. Oh, no, wait. Is that, that's a bonus interview, right? Yes. Okay, that'll be a bonus interview, guys. So this weekend, be on the lookout for our Cannabis Conversation. Yeah, that'll be a bonus interview, and we'll do a post-show meeting and decide what day that drops. Yeah. Oh, and guess who else? We have another uh, interview today. Do you remember that one? Uh, It's Mr. Bike with a city council synopsis. That is correct. We're really looking forward to that one. That'll be a blast. I'll probably drop Saturday. And David Ferris will be tomorrow. So we have our weekend lineup already. But today's show is going to be awesome, guys. What? It's called promotion. I know. Ever heard of it? I know. I know. You're just kind of all over the place here. Ever heard of it? Yeah. Didn't I give you the introduction for the news? No! Oh, and but first... Oh, my God. The man from Alton, the man they call Dr. Doobie with the news. It's going to be a long one today, gang. How's it going? Let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. It's the return of the big feller. Mm. No, not union man Ed Maher. I mean, yeah, he's returning on the program today as well. And yes... Also a big feller, but I'm talking about the other big feller, the one that our host loves to trash talk, <laughs> Illinois downstate rep, Darren Bailey. That's correct. More on that in moments. But first, <laughs> Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. Springtime. Love it. Okay, Actually, it's summer now, but I feel you, J.B. <laughs> I feel you. Today, the governor is back at the Thompson Center for a 2.30 coronavirus update. The last one was Tuesday, and we learned that school will be back in the fall. What will we learn today? Not sure. It's at 2.30. Be sure to watch it. And if you miss it, don't worry. We'll more than likely be covering the details on tomorrow's Ben Jarofsky show. Ben, any predictions on what the governor will tell us today? I have a hunch, and this is just a hunch based on my conversations with Mick Dumpke and, uh, and having read Dare. Oh, not, I don't want to give away the Darren Bailey portion of the show. Uh, is that he's going to be addressing some of the concerns that Republicans have been raising about uh, whether he should uh, open up downstate faster than he's going. That's my guess. Uh, he's going to deal with uh, the issue of whether he's being too restrictive with uh, downstate Illinois. That would be my guess. All right. Hey, any predictions? Live stream chat. Weigh in. Let us know your thoughts. All right. Now, as you know, Pritzker has had those big hot dog fingered hands of his full for the last three and a half months dealing with the coronavirus. And we got one more potential problem to add to the pile. You know, if it ain't one thing, it's another. And the following comes from CBS2 Chicago, New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut on Wednesday announced a requirement of 14-day quarantines Mm. for people visiting from other states that are seeing spikes in coronavirus cases. Governor J.B. Pritzker said he has no plans for a similar requirement in Illinois, but that could change. We do have the audio of the governor. Like to hear it? Here it goes. Shout out to CBS. Please don't sue us. (laughs) We're making decisions based upon the data and the science that we're being provided uh, very critically important that states make decisions for themselves about how they want to handle it. Um, that's not something that we are looking at implementing right now. Um, but if as going forward, if we got the advice to do that, we might. Yeah, it seems like we're going backwards rather than forwards. Uh, that's just the big 
topic of conversation uh, between Mick and myself before we came on the show. It seems it, it's just like we, we're having this a second wave of, uh, uh, of virus contagions, and it just it seems as though we didn't learn anything the first time, and so now we're trying new things. So the whole notion of uh, quarantining people who come in from out of state, remember when that question was posed to Pritzker early on? I, I I think we were still in the attic when it was posed to him about quarantining Cook County. I mean, if it involved a quarantine, it was definitely in the, in the attic. attic. Well, there was discussion. There was that day or two, but whatever. Uh, and um, uh, and he dismissed that as uh, something he wouldn't just was was even considering. Uh, what was it? What was it that he wouldn't let people get in and out of Cook County or Chicago to go downstate? It was people downstate saying, "Hey, we don't have a problem. Why don't you just?" cordon off Cook County and Chicago. Don't let anybody come out, and then we won't get it. Uh, as though they couldn't get it from other areas of the country. Uh, so, yeah, I, I... You know, a lot of people do it on their own anyway. I don't know if you know this, Dee, but, uh, like, my, my kids are coming in, and they're, gonna, they're not going to come to the house for two weeks or whatever. They're going to uh, quarantine, self-quarantine. Uh, but I think as though we're, like, heading into that... So what are they going to do? Stay in a hotel or uh, <laughs> sleep outside? What's going on? Yeah, well, that, that right out there, there's a porta potty. All and right. Yeah. Uh, so no, they're going to be staying. They're going to find some place to stay. They're not just going to come home and rush in and and hug us and give us the disease. They're very concerned about it. Well, Ben, I'm going to ask you exactly what the meanest Illinois political bulldog in the yard, Capital Facts, is Rich Miller. I'm going to ask you what he's asking all of his readers in his latest poll. Head to CapitalFacts.com, by the way, F-A-X, like a fax machine, and participate now. Ben Jarofsky, should the governor mandate that visitors from states with high infection rates or Illinoisans returning from those states quarantine themselves for two weeks? Mm, mandate? No. I don't think they should mandate that. I don't think so. I, I don't even know how... It, like, you just pointed out the impracticalities of it all. Uh, but I know that a lot of people uh, impose it on their... Uh, quarantine themselves like i have a dear friend uh this to answer your question when she went to minnesota to visit her mother uh, she stayed in a bed and breakfast uh for i forget i think it was two weeks and then she finally went to uh, stay with her mom but uh so i'm not at the stage where it's mandatory uh and by the way this gets back to the whole issue that we've been talking about throughout d which is how do you enforce it you follow what I'm saying? Remember when Lori was going to lock everybody up and mm -hmm. we joked about her in the lakefront. You got to keep moving. Well, how are you going to win? No congregating. <laughs> keep it moving. So and it's, uh, it, unless we're going to go the way Italy went, just lock down in your house. You're not leaving, which I can't see this country doing. It's and, and it's just, I mean, it's so difficult because there's so many, each state, you know, has its own ideological worldview of of the virus. You get what I'm saying? So, like, Florida and Ron DeSantis has a far different view uh, than J.B. Pritzker here in Illinois or uh, Abbott in uh, Texas has a far different view. So it's just so impractical to think of the United States at this stage enacting something like that. Just don't see it as a practical uh, solution. Yeah, good time to own a camper right now all of our listeners who own a camper you're in luck my brother has a camper and he set up a quarantine camper he said if anybody gets it they go in the camper boom 
Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did not know that. Yeah, my brother has a quarantine camper. <laughs> a quarantine camper. I hope, hope he scrubbed it down. Yeah, probably not. All right, quite a bit of Pritzker news today, so let's keep rolling here. The governor was... Wait, wait, what's your view? On what? Quarant- uh, the Rich uh, Miller question. I mean, yeah, you should... I don't know if you make it a mandate, you know? Just, hey, guys, just, you know, we're kind of on our own here. Figure it out. How about that? So, in other words... Uh, you have faith that people will do the right thing. Yeah. And just stay away from dumbasses. How about that, huh? Okay. Right? Governor Dennis. <laughs> oh, we'd all be screwed. Okay. Governor D. Quite a bit of Pritzker news today, so let's keep rolling here. The governor was also the subject of a brand new attack ad. Yes, guys, a Darren Bailey story and a political attack ad. It's a good day to be the Ben Jarofsky show. All right, today's JB is not for me ad comes from a group known as Illinois Rising Action. I went to the Illinois Rising Action website, and I learned that Illinois Rising Action is an organization an organization focused on holding liberal groups and their special interest networks accountable. Their other focus, advancing conservative principles. They are fighting for limited government, lowering taxes, fighting government over regulation that stifles freedom, affordable and accessible health care, free enterprise, and a strong national security. What do you think about that, Ben? Regulation that stifles freedom, like... um Regulating Colin Kaepernick's uh, right to take a knee, like that kind of regulation that stifles freedom. Is that what they were talking about? Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah, okay. I don't think Sounds so. Sounds about right. Yeah. All uh, right. That's what I think about that. Bunch of garbage. Here's the press release <laughs> attached to the ad. The Illinois Rising Action's executive director, Kayleen Carlson, says Governor Pritzker is just another tax and spin Democrat whose solution to anything is to raise taxes. Pritzker is not on the ballot this year, but the ad campaign wants you to remember two words. What do you think those two words are? F you. Vote Republican. Oh, I see. Okay. So kind of F you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So without further ado, let's hear the ad from Illinois Rising Action. Do they bring up Toilet Gate? The time Governor Pritzker ripped out the toilets in his Gold Coats mansion to save over $300,000 in property taxes? What do you think? Remember when J.B. Pritzker ripped out his toilets to dodge paying property taxes? Investigators called it a scheme to defraud taxpayers. Now, Pritzker is scheming again. First, he raised taxes on gas, cars, and online shopping. Then, while voters were distracted, Pritzker gave huge pay raises to his politician buddies. Even worse, when unemployed workers needed help, Pritzker failed. Call Governor Pritzker. Remind him he works for Illinois families, not politicians. Paid for by Illinois Rising Action. So they're, they released this today? Let me get this straight. I believe so. Maybe I, last night, today. Uh, so it's just like a general attack ad to poison the water for J.B. Pritzker. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, because we're in, what is June? Uh, J.B.'s not on the ballot until, let's say, he runs for re-election. It wouldn't be to 2022, right? We're in the middle of a pandemic. So nobody's even thinking about uh, J.B.'s re-election run. If there's an election in anybody's mind, it's November's election, which is pretty much on everybody's mind. Uh, so, yeah, I guess that's their strategy. Just sort of generally poison the water. Uh 
regarding J.B. Pritzker, to what end? I'm not sure. They don't mention the fair tax initiative. Is there more to this commercial, D? No, that was it. That was it. it. You know, and they kind of said it there in the uh, in the press release, uh, saying Pritzker's not on the ballot this year, but the ad campaign wants you to remember those two words: vote Republican. Yeah, training yeah. them early. Yeah, but that's the press release. It didn't even say that in the ad. I don't. know. Maybe there's rules that govern what they could say in their ad. Um, so I'm not quite sure, other than just generally poisoning the waters regarding uh, J.B. Pritzker, what they're promoting. I'm not quite sure in general what the Republican Party, uh, well, in the, the country and in the state of Illinois, where, what they're promoting. Uh, they don't have a position on anything. I've been watching with interest the great debate going on in Congress with, with Republicans and Democrats on, what they, on the police reform bill, uh, and it's in the Senate right now, and it's, I think it's it's dead there. Uh, the... the um, the Republicans can't get enough votes uh, to to essentially end the Democratic filibuster on the bill, and so. But they so, for instance, the issue of the chokehold should police be allowed to use a chokehold? Uh, the Democrats want to ban that. This is just one example. Just one example. Republicans say no. Uh, they they don't want uh, to ban it, but uh, they they feel like what they they'll punish police. Uh, districts that don't have it, they they reserve the right to punish police districts that don't have a ban on chokehold by denying them uh, federal money or perhaps de denying them federal money. In other words, they don't offer anything uh, as an alternative uh, to uh, what the Democrats are offering on the issue, this one particular issue. And uh, so it's like, well, what do you stand for? Just the status quo? Why even have? If you think that there's nothing wrong with the way the police are policing, then that should be the position of your party and don't change anything, which is kind of where they are because of the rhetoric coming from Donald Trump. And that's the big problem for uh, the Republic, Republican Party right now is that they're uh, tied to Donald Trump and whichever way he goes, which one day it's this way, one, the next day it's that, they're obligated to follow him. It's like a zigzagging thing. And so I don't know what they stand for anymore. I do know that in general, going back to Illinois, uh, they're against any form of taxation. That's their proclamation against any form of taxation. So then they have to get real about, well, how are we going to pay for our basic obligations that we have in the state of Illinois? And they are for some things, like they want roads to be repaired because their constituents drive on roads, but if you're not going to have taxes, if you're not going to raise money, how are you going to pay for that? So the Republican Party's in a sort of bizarre situation, just in general, but I'm talking right here in the, in the state of Illinois. They don't stand for anything. Nothing specific, nothing particular. And so it's really hard to convey a message. The last person they had in charge, Bruce Rauner, governor from 2014 to 2018, his essential uh, plan, his great idea, was to have government go bankrupt. That, that was, he thought that was a good idea. And that by going bankrupt, he could destroy unions, he could destroy our pension system, uh, and give... Uh, more money to people like himself. That was the Republican policy that failed. He was de defeated, and so they're struggling right now. They, I don't know what they stand for. And so I guess they're just anti-Pritzker, uh, which, you know, I mean, I, I'm kind of like that with Trump. I'm anti-Trump, but I could pinpoint particular policies that Trump has instituted, and I could come up with alternatives, Republican Party just—they don't want to be on the hook for any alternatives because all, all, that would mean you have to fund government, 
And they're not quite sure how they want to raise the money for that. So funny. Toilet gate. That's sticking around, JB. That's not going anywhere, buddy. No. And it and and by the way, it's sh- it I we predicted we we talked about that a lot when it was breaking in real time. And I said, Oh my goodness, you're not you're firing me up about toilet gate. The the pro- <laughs> I had troubles voting for Pritzker in the uh, uh, primary. Didn't who'd vote you vote for? for again? Oh man, come on! You're gonna make me embarrass myself. I should have should have Diver. No, you didn't. <laughs> I voted for Bob Diver. Should have Diver. You notice know, you know how I do that? <laughs> should have voted for Diver. Okay. But people think, oh, he voted for Diver. Dennis was the cool one. He voted for Diver. Well, we gotta get down to business. <laughs> And you voted for... I forgot his name. He's really Biss. good. Oh, Daniel yeah, Biss. I voted, I voted for Latisa Wallace. Oh, all right? Okay. That's who I voted for, okay? All right. Latisa That's Wallace. That's fair. All right? I was just talking to Latisa this week, and she said to say hi. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, Toilet Gate. Uh, see, he was running on a platform of raising taxes on people like himself, and then there was this evidence of him scheming uh, to avoid having to pay taxes. So, embarrassing situation. Yeah. <laughs> But it's the rear view mirror, D. Time to move on, all right? It is time to move on. But before we move on, Ben Jarofsky, like we always do with these political ads, on a one okay. to five <laughs> scale, one being god-awful, five being, holy crap, that is awesome, what do you give this ad from Illinois Rising Action? Negative three. Oh, wow. Negative I mean, it's a terrible three. ad. It's serious. What it, I don't know. I, mean, I probably have a different view. See, one thing Dennis has helped me understand is uh, sort of the depth of opposition to J.B. Pritzker uh, downstate. And in the good old days when we would be taking the train home from the studio, uh, we'd be sitting next to each other. Remember the days when you could sit on a train, D? Ah, the good old days. Uh, And he would go, look, (laughs) he would show me his Facebook page. Uh, filled with all these anti-Pritzker. Oh my down, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm from downstate, guys. So yeah, there's going to be people that I went to high school with and stuff that have anti-Pritzker uh, stuff. Yeah, you were. That's what they called them. Anyway, uh, he would show me this stuff, and I go, "Oh my God, they hate the guy down there." And you know, and uh, so I suppose, guys, they call him Prickster. Yeah. Uh, so I, I suppose that if it's just in general, you just want to remind the base that they hate Pritzker, then it's an effective ad. If you just want to remind the base why they didn't like Pritzker in the first place, you bring back Toilet Gate. I, but I don't know. It just seems so irrelevant, D, to talk about Toilet Gate. Uh, what is it, three years later? Right. Yeah, right. in the middle of a pandemic. And, right. uh, you know, where we're confronting all these uh, century-old issues of race relation problems you know what i'm saying dysfunction in our country it's kind of really stretching things to go back to toilet gate okay i'm with you guys i thought toilet gate was outrageous i didn't vote for him in the primary don't blame me i voted for latisa wallace that's my, that's my new answer to that question. Voted dude. for Daniel Biss. All right. <laughs> oh, and for some reason, my father calls him Pritzner with an N in the middle. I don't know. <laughs> that's silly. But your know. father voted oh, yeah, for that Pritzner. <laughs> <laughs> but in in defense of uh, Daddy D, he, he voted for him. Oh, right? yeah. Okay, just saying. I mean, the competition wasn't uh, too uh, stiff, you know what I mean? Did he vote for Diber in the uh, primary? Oh, he didn't know who that was. And it's guy from 618. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was clueless. Yeah, I should have voted for him. Oh, hell, downstate. I voted for Latisa Wallace. 
That's who I voted for. All right, before we get to our state news headliner, Darren Bailey. D. We got to look out for our, uh, I don't know, three, four listeners who actually care about this piece of news I'm going to read to you. I'm sure you're out there somewhere, so listen up. Hey, Abraham Lincoln nerds! (laughs) After a series of changes to protect visitor health, the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum is finalizing plans to reopen to the public on Wednesday, July 1st. Got to open. Got to open. Is there more to this story? Like I said, there's like three or four listeners who were like, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, there's that's it. Uh, well, this, the state of Illinois is slowly open. Which, which phase is that, D? I've I, lost track of the phases. We're, <laughs> we're in three, and we're about to go to four. I give you credit for knowing that. Yeah. My dentist knew that, too, by the way. She knew we were, which phase we were in. I forgot. I can't keep track of the phases. So, yeah, it's, it's, Illinois is uh, reopening, and I'm hoping, fingers crossed, but I don't have a lot of faith in it, that we're not just going to go back to phase one. And say, Why do uh, I feel we're going as back? As always, glass half empty at the Jarofsky household. Uh, I just got this feeling, D. <laughs> September rolls around. We're back. Phase one. Oh, no. All right. Well, here we go, everybody. Shout out to Capital Facts and Rich Miller because he was the one who posted the latest op-ed from Illinois downstate representative Darren Bailey. Yes, just like our host, Darren Bailey Bailey is apparently a writer. (laughs) Paperback Uh, writer, yeah. uh, For those who may not know, Darren Bailey was the first Illinois politician to push back on Governor Pritzker's stay-at-home order. He actually sued the governor and won causing he himself to be exempt from the stay-at-home order, and he encouraged others to follow his lead. Uh, He was away from the news for a while, which made us sad, because this guy has provided great content for the Ben Jarofsky show. So we're glad to have him back in the news, needling the governor on his five-phase strategy to reopen Illinois. But we're glad to have him back here with his latest op-ed title. Uh, The title here... We don't want a new normal. We want the old normal. Now, I sent this over to Ben. He read it. So, Ben, take it from here. And if you could, please impart some journalistic advice for Darren Bailey. Well, okay. Uh, let's just start with uh, whether I believe he actually wrote it. And, you know, this is a common theme on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Do politicians whose name appear above an article, are they the true authors of the article? I mean, he is a farmer. He's got a lot going on. So maybe he had someone else write it. Uh, hey, write this while I feed them hogs. <laughs> who's uh, going to feed them hogs? So, you know, and we've discussed this at uh, great length about one Rahm Emanuel, who was uh, on top of was always writing essays for various public, the Tribune, the New York Times. And, of course, I never believed uh, he read them, much less wrote them. Uh, now, did Darren... Take Bailey, a chill pill, man. Yeah, oh, sorry, Rahm. Uh, did, by the way, I saw the bookstores open, D. It's part of phase three. And I got to go to a bookstore this weekend. I saw Rahm's book on the shelf. How about that? And you bought it. No. Oh. Uh, but uh, anyway, I saw it. And so, did Darren Bailey write this essay? I'm going to give him the benefit. I'm going to say yes, he wrote it. Okay? I'm just going to give it to him. How about that, D? He didn't try any, you know, great rhetorical flourishes or anything like that. He, there was nothing in there that was really, like, clever that said, uh-oh, somebody else wrote this thing, like with Rom, the telltale signs. Uh, but uh, so I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and assume he just wrote it. Okay? Probably wrong. In the, it's probably not right of me to give him the benefit of the doubt, D, but that's the kind of guy I am. But... Uh, the, the biggest problem with this essay, all right, let me just explain uh, what the uh, essay's uh, theme is. Uh, the essay's theme is that we are living, living in uh, tyranny. 
Uh, we are living in a state ruled by executive order uh, that uh, Governor Pritzker has usurped the power that uh, lies with the, the legislature by uh, dictating the phases that control our lives in the pandemic, ordering when businesses can open as we shift from phase one to phase two to phase three to phase four, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, and that to be um, a legitimate democracy, he, Governor Pritzker, should bring in the legislature and have them approve of his rules and regulations. And in the most general sense, I agree with Darren Bailey. I've said this all along, that the part of the open up the state uh, crowds uh, theme, that the theme that they raise that mo most resonates with me is the notion that we should have a check and a balance. It's something I believe in. I believe a, the legislature should be a check on the executive branch. Uh, I've always advocated that here in the city of Chicago where the mayor is paramount and the alderman just rubber stamp whatever he or she says little resistance going on now but by and large as the next story will show d uh, we still very much rule that way here in chicago so in the in principle uh i agree with him the problem with uh darren bailey's uh, essay and Dar darren bailey's worldview is that republicans in the legislative branch offer nothing and this gets back to what I was saying earlier. In this particular issue of the pandemic and protecting people, they offer nothing. They don't want any controls, any, any guidelines. Darren Bailey wouldn't even wear a mask when the, the state reps finally got together, convened for a session, when was it, about three weeks ago in Springfield? Remember, he, DB would not wear the mask, and he went through the whole... A game we he played where the he he showed up even though uh, Speaker Madigan said you have to wear a mask or we'll evict you. Uh, he didn't wear the mask when they told him to put the mask on. He said I'm not putting the mask on, and so they voted him to leave. They commanded him to leave. So that there tells you he's not serious. Everybody knows you should wear a mask. Proper protocol is that you should wear a mask when you're in that kind of gathering. It's just like Donald Trump. In Arizona, how can you take the Republican Party seriously on anything, but in particular, the pandemic, if Donald Trump's going to pack everybody in to a church and laugh at the notion, scoff at the notion that you have to wear a mask or should wear a mask, they pass them out because, oh, well, the pretense is that uh, they're abiding by the rules that the doctors say we should follow. And then the, the people just throw them away. No one's enforcing it. They mock it. How about that mayor in, uh, what was it, Prescott, Arizona, D, who like doubled down? He, he uh, not only uh, mocked the notion that we should wear masks, but he just mocked all, uh, George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter. So how can you take anything the Republican Party and the Darren Bailey say when you see that they're just opposing protocol, medicine, the advice of doctors, just for the sake of opposing it. It's as though they just have decided that the earth is flat and that's all there is to it. So it's, it's really hard for me to take him seriously. I like the general theme that the legislative body should be a check and a balance on the executive branch. But if the legislative body is so void of logic or reason, or at least the Republican side of it, how can you take him seriously? 
Why would you want them to lead us? Why would you listen to any argument he conveys if he's the guy who says, I don't need to wear a mask? Or for this matter, if he can't even, doesn't even have the courage to criticize the people in his movement who show up to his rallies with Confederate flags and signs with Nazi swastikas. So if you, if you can't even bring, it to your, bring, bring yourself to take a stand against somebody with a, a swastika on a sign, how can we take you what you say with, with any credibility? How can we give you any kind of credibility with what you say? So in this, in this particular essay, uh, his main theme is that uh, Governor Pritzker has overstepped his bounds, with that the state of Illinois is being run by executive authority. And then he cites, this is a funny little thing, he goes, the independent wire points. Well, wire points is uh, a right-wing uh, website that is virulently anti-Pritzker. So he calls it independent. Right there, all credit. But it's like me quoting myself. Well, as Ben Jarofsky said, <laughs> go Bulls. <laughs> go Bulls. <laughs> you know, like when you're marshalling an argument to sort of, you know, defend yourself. Generally, rule number one is you take something that the other side says. Yeah, you may be distorting it a little bit when you bring it over. This is... This is the Republican. Now, now I'm on a tangent with a tangent with a tangent. This is the Republicans' favorite thing. So when they want to make it seem as though there's no need to do to make any reforms for uh, regarding police and how police engage with black people, they'll drag in Martin Luther King, and they'll say, you know, Martin Luther King had a dream that one day we'd all be treated for the human beings that we are, not by the color of our skin. That was his dream. He's dead. And so now here we are. And when they say that, it's so dishonest. It's like, dude, you, the guy saying this, you're too young, obviously, to have marched with Dr. King. But if you were around back then, you'd be the one throwing stones at him. You wouldn't have been on the side of Martin Luther King. You're only citing him now because he's not around to defend himself and to see how you're using him to undercut everything he stood for. You know, so that's kind of like, but that's generally what you do when you're trying to build an argument. You go look to some, uh, somebody else from the other side. It, you find what you can to fortify it and say, see, that's, even he says that. But DB doesn't do that. He quotes wire, as independent wire points say. Well, it, you know, it's like, you're just quoting yourself. They're just a bunch of other right-wingers, too. They believe the earth is flat. And they don't have to wear masks. <laughs> Why are you quoting them? Doesn't help your argument. So anyway, it, there's, essentially, it, it, um, it, it's, there's no substance to it. Other than that one point, which is a good point, that we should not just give so much power to our governor. Okay. Well, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, that's I did. I read it. I, I, uh, now, any inside uh, baseball tips you can give Darren Bailey as far as uh, his next column? Any tips you can give him? You yeah. Know? No, number one, a joke or two every now and then. You know, liven it up with okay. a little joke. Okay. You know? All okay. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, here's a, here's a tip. Not that DB would ever follow me. You know, I don't know. You admit you were wrong. Let's start off with that. You know, I was a buffoon when I didn't wear the mask, and and 
Uh, ben Jarofsky was right. How about that, D? Yeah, say that. I'm going, and the next time he comes on, you know, that DB is pretty smart, D. Uh, so, you know, it's show a little humility every now and then. Use some little joke here or there. Lighten the things up. Uh, don't quote yourself to support yourself, you know. And uh, come up with a strategy. So, you know, DB is saying uh, we don't need... We don't need any restriction. Oh, here's a, a, a inherent inconsistency I just remembered. Uh, he was talking about uh, how uh, all these rules that Pritzker imposed on the downstate has really hurt the downstate economy. And then he turned right around and said, well, we're, we're, we haven't been paying attention to him at all anyway. We've been violating all the rules anyway. And so it's like, well, which one is it? You know, it, either the rules have shackled the downstate economy and put people out of work or you've just been ignoring them and there are no rules. So kind of <laughs> little inconsistency, that little, so a little advice. You might want to read the thing you wrote. There's a little piece of advice. Oh, okay. <laughs> read what you wrote. That's good. It's starting to make me think maybe he didn't write it. Darren, <laughs> Darren, you listening to that? Ben's helping you out. Read what you wrote. Oops. <laughs> and hey, don't forget to feed those hogs. Who's going to feed those? He's a farmer. Okay. Uh, now, Ben, on a one to five scale, one being god awful, five being completely awesome, what do you give Darren Bailey's op-ed? Oh, uh, well, it's better than that commercial. Oh, right? okay. Okay. He spelled Pritzker's name right. Nice. Uh, so so uh, my dad didn't write it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pritzner. I, I would give it... Uh, One's the lowest in this scale. I give him a one. That's correct. Hey, that's pretty good on Ben's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't give you a negative three like I gave him the ad. Hey, uh, life. But you know what's really sad is that DB is the face of the Republican Party right now. I just want to point that out. Okay, I'm call- I-, I called it uh, months ago. That's the dude running. He's going to run for governor. Watch. Yeah. No, but that that part where uh, he's going the independent wire points. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> independent wire. That's like the people who probably wrote the damn thing. Now that I think about it, if somebody wrote it, it was some ghostwriter who works for wire points. So the ghostwriter. Oh, I'll just quote myself. I'm brilliant. <laughs> All right, shout out to our live stream chat. You guys are my friends, all right? Uh, we had a couple trolls on the live stream chat, and uh, boy, they were giving it to them. But uh, our good friend Steven weighed in. Uh, how's it going, Steven? Steven says, uh, say it with me, Ben, because the Republicans are fascists. <laughs> they, have, they have to do is, oh wait, all they have to do is do things that hurt brown people more than white people. We have to take them seriously because they are still hurting people. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. And uh, you have to take them seriously. And that it's sort of the theme of the day, uh, Stephen. I, I a little, little bit resent the fact that I have to put so much faith in Joe Biden. But the alternative is so bad. I've had this conversation with uh, several of my lefty friends of late. Uh, who've been telling me they're not going to vote for Joe Biden, but they're all... Oh, that's me. <laughs> Talking to me. I'm having trouble with that, guys. Uh, but uh, not just you, D. A couple other lefty friends. Uh, and um, But all the lefty friends who are saying that are in uh, swing states. I mean, are not in swing states. So, you know, it's like, all right, I got a couple lefty friends in California. They uh, just, they're not going to vote for them. But uh, I just feel that what Trump and Darren Bailey uh, represent is so threatening and so grave. Uh, Like this great stand that Darren Bailey took, 
the great stand against uh, what he thought was executive overreach was not to wear a mask. And I just thought that was so contemptuous of all of his colleagues. And just, it's like burying your head in the sand. Try to find some other way to take a stand against uh, overreach by the executive. Why would you do something like not, not wear a mask? Uh, it just promotes the notion that leads to 3,000 college kids packing a church in Arizona while to, to feed Trump's ego while the governor of the state of Arizona cheers them on while cases are rising in that state. So, Stephen, I have to, you're absolutely correct. I have to take it very seriously. That's correct. You're correct, Stephen. Up top, dude. Yeah. All right. All right. So like I said, yeah, that was a lot of Pritzker news, huh? And a lot of state news. Let's move on to the city of Chicago. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. (laughs) (laughs) Just stay home. Save lives. Good times. All right, Lori Lightfoot today. She is at Evergreen Academy Middle School with CPS CEO Janice Jackson to announce a new broadband initiative for Chicago students. And hey, speaking of Chicago schools, let's talk about the latest in the Chicago Sun-Times in one Nadir Issa. Uh, it says here, wait, where'd it go? Hold on. Here we go. All right. Struggling today, gang. All right. The following comes from. Oh, I gotta get. Fra- I gotta get Frank's password. Still, by the way. Um, uh, looks like a, in a vote four to three, uh, the city of Chicago has voted to keep Chicago police officers in Chicago schools. Ben Drowski, your thoughts? All right. It was the Board of Education's vote, and uh, this is one of my many obsessions. I don't really talk about this that much on the show. For years and years and years at the Reader, I would write articles about the Chicago Public Schools, the Board of Education, the relationship to the mayor, the whole notion of centralization, what it means to have the, the mayor of the city of Chicago controlling the public schools. And I know a lot of our listeners from outside of Chicago. And uh, so I always try to say to, to the out-of-towners that studying in Chicago is like a parable. So you can just, you don't need to know all the specifics, but you just have understanding of the general themes and you can appreciate, you know, just basic power relationships. So one of the things that I was just talking about in relationship with Darren Bailey, the downstate Republican, the the MAGA hat wearer who thinks that uh, J.B. Pritzker has too much uh, authority, is that the same situation takes place and has been the reality in Chicago for as long as I can remember, except for that brief moment when Harold Washington was the mayor in the 80s. And that is all the authority uh, is in the hands of the mayor of Chicago. There was a brief moment from roughly 1989 to 1995 where we had a decentralized school system where authority was put, was vested largely in uh, local school councils that ran each of the schools. And so it was small d democracy. It was a, an attempt to put the schools in the hands of the people uh, who use them. Uh, that experiment lasted for about six years, and then the state passed a law in 1995 uh, when once Mayor uh, Richard M. Daley was in charge, giving the mayor almost exclusive control of the schools. The mayor appointed the Board of Education. The Board of Education set the overall policy. The Board of Education largely determined how much each school was going to get, how much and how they had to spend it. Uh, There was a, a 
some discretion given to the local schools, but not a lot. Uh, and that has been the case ever since. And so the schools have become sort of a game for uh, a larger like political game. And so mayors ever since, be it Daly, Rahm, and now Lori Lightfoot is playing this game, are tr- always trying to use the schools to make them s- look better. So they, there's always an effort to spin test scores to make it seem like the test scores are going up, to make, uh, to make it look like dropout rates uh, are going down, uh, to make it seem as though more people are graduating, to make it seem like they're more equipped for the, the, the world uh, that exists outside of our neighborhoods, outside of our city. And um, in reality, my humble opinion, the Chicago public schools are pretty much the same as they were back in the 80s, in which, which by that I mean they're always on the verge of running out of money. There's always that fear that bankruptcy somewhere down the road. Um, there's always that inability to balance the needs of the poorest kids from the poorest neighborhoods with the wealthier kids from the wealthier neighborhoods. Uh, and uh, there's always a reluctance on the part of the powers that be to spend too much money on the schools because if you spend too much money on the schools, you won't have enough money to spend on whatever capital projects you have, boondoggles like Lincoln Yard. So that's the central basic struggle that's been going on in the city of Chicago for as long as I can remember, Uh, and so that leads to this moment uh, where the defund the police movement has become very strong, and uh, protesters are demanding, Stacey Davis-Gates was just on the show last week, demanding that the um, Board of Education rip up its contract with the Chicago Police Department that requires the board to essentially spend $33 million a year, I think that's the number I don't have in front of me, uh, on uh, having a police officer in every school. And uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot has responded by saying, well, no, it should be left up to the local school councils And so I don't want to rip up that contract. Well, and the reality is this. There really is no choice that the mayor is giving the local school councils. It's not as though the local school councils say, okay, we don't want a police officer in our school, so allow us to take the money that would be otherwise going to the police officer and spend it on something else. I don't know, computer teacher or what have you doesn't allow you to do that. If you say you don't want the police officer, you just lose the police officer. You don't get any money. So there's really, like, you're not really helping the schools. The whole point of a quote-unquote defund the police movement is that you could take the money that was being spent on police and spend it on other things. So that was the central issue uh, at, with the vote yesterday. The uh, Board of Education was deciding whether they should rip up the contract essentially with the police and uh, not require every school to have a police officer. Uh, and Mayor Lightfoot told, said that she didn't uh, want them to approve that. And it was presented as, will the Board of Education, which is all appointed by Mayor Lori Lightfoot, take a stand against Lori Lightfoot? Will they embarrass her? Remember that? Will they embarrass her? It'll be a huge embarrassment if she loses. And ultimately, they decided they didn't want to uh, embarrass Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Uh, so they voted four to three uh, to keep the contract. And the contract expires in August. Anyway, D, so... We're going to be right back here probably in August and September having this conversation uh, because they'll have to decide whether they want to continue 
uh, funding police in the schools. Great riff as always. And a way to reveal how long you've uh, haven't been in a school, a computer teacher. Oh, a computer lab. <laughs> Hi, I'm your computer teacher. Anything you want to know, I'll teach you about computers. Good computer time. lab. Computer lab. What do they call them? If not computer teachers. I mean, there's all kinds of programs to learn on a computer. I think all classes could probably be done through a computer. You no, but that, computer it's been a, teacher. It's been a while since you've been in school, young man. Yeah. There's I, the I computer there's... room and there's the computer teacher. That's awesome. All right, guys. Uh, that's our local news. Live stream chat. Keep on chatting. Send us your thoughts here. And uh, Michael Girardi uh, weighed in. Uh, he heard that intro there from Lori Lightfoot. Uh, he says, I wish I could go in Lori Lightfoot's house and tune that damn guitar <laughs> and teach her how to play uh, and uh, and tell her how much she sucks. Oh, no. You didn't say that, did he? Yeah. No, oh, no t- play her a song about how much she sucks. Oh, Is that your next song, Michael? Send it our way. Yes, Michael Girardi has uh, recorded several songs specifically for the Ben Jarofsky show. You heard a couple at the beginning of the program. We're going to play one more as we go to break. And when we come back, we're talking all things unions and labor and so much more with the other big feller, union man Ed Maher. So people, don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Ben Jarofsky show. And yes, we're still live from Ben's house. Oh yeah! 
It's the butter cow, which has nine <laughs> hearts to represent the nine essential nutrients in milk. That's right, it's made entirely out of butter, and it, you know, it's a state fair tradition since at least 1922. Hey guys, we're back. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show. Yeah, we're in Ben's attic. All right, we're calling up Union Man Ed Maher right now. Let's see if he answers. Favorite part of the show. Ben loves this part. I love this part. I think, he's, I think he's lying. Fill I think me with red, but no, I'm cool with it now. I love it. Mm-hmm. Waiting for the Union Man. Oh, I think we got him. Oh, wait. No, no, no. I lied. <laughs> Ed Ma. Hey, Ed. What's up, dude? It's Dennis. All right. What's happening, buddy? How are you? Hey, doing good. We're live. You're, yeah, we're live, and you sound really good. Real loud and clear, Ed Maher. I am really good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty loud. I'm very loud. I'm kind of clear. Uh, and uh, it's been a while. We missed you last month. Are you staying safe and sound? That's the first question. Yeah, yeah. Everything is everything is good. You know, we're still we're still working and in the office and uh, construction continues, but, uh, but yeah, everything is, everything has been good. Everybody's been careful and thankfully, um, you know, me and my family and people close to me are staying safe and hopefully, hopefully the same is for both of you guys. Yeah. So far so good. Um, touching what I went to the dentist today. I've been talking a lot about that on the show and, uh, it was kind of funny cause the dentist was like wearing a hazmat suit. I mean, it was, uh, it was a different kind of done. Then you know how they talk to you, uh, Ed, when they put all the stuff in your and the, the drill going and it's hard to hear anyway. And it's really hard to hear. I don't know if I've been to a dentist lately, but it's really hard to hear when they yeah. get masks. And, the, the, the and shit, I mean, why you know. are they trying to talk to you? Cause you've got your mouth open <laughs> wide and it's stuck with God knows what. So if they, if they're, even if it's a yes or no question, you can't even, if there's only one response, which is, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, you, know, I, you just make an utterance. Uh, so yeah, I don't know what they're what they're thinking, but conversation with the dentist while he's got his hands in your mouth is kind of a weird situation. I wish they, you know, like sitting on an airplane next to an awkward person, just better not to. Well, I was uh, re- remembering this back in the day when I was a kid or a teenager. My my dentist was a real conservative, and I don't think he he wanted a conversation. Uh, he just wanted to lecture me about how great Richard Nixon was. So when I was there, totally exposed, mouth open, couldn't say anything. That's when oh, he started telling me how wonderful Nixon Agnew was. Four more years, that kind of thing. All right, Ed. Uh, Clearly it didn't work. It didn't before. work. Uh, no, it didn't work. I went in the other direction and been there ever since. I've been lodged there ever since. All right, we'll get to uh, presidential politics in a little while. I just uh, right before you picked up the phone, the Washington Post released a story of a new poll that sort of um, – underscores the poll that the uh, New York Times uh, to, uh, has been releasing over the last couple of days. But uh, let's talk in general terms about the economy. This is something that's been on my mind uh, for personal reasons. I think I told, I mentioned this to you. Uh, my oldest daughter is thinking about buying a house and uh, doesn't know if she should buy a house, you know, um, what, just in general, if the price is too high, if we're going to have a, a housing crisis, uh, on the horizon, uh, interest rates are really low now, but it, it, with the right. pandemic, it's just a sense like uh, foreboding. Not quite sure which way we're going. Are we in the? Is it two thousand and seven, and we're heading for a crash? So let's just talk in general terms. Uh, your thoughts from your perspective, uh, where we are with uh, in, with the economy. 
I mean, so, so there are a number of different indicators that you can tell from a construction perspective on where the strength of the economy lie, uh, because construction is a very good indicator of what the, what the next year or two years look like in the economy. Um, so looking at the different sectors of it, I mean, residential construction, I, I find it sort of hard to think that we're not heading toward a slowdown, which, um, you know, of course, it would result in prices going down. The fact that interest rates are so low and that so much movement was, was made uh, by the, the Fed so quickly, I think, concerned a lot of people because, you know, if we're set up for, for a prolonged recession or, um, you know, contraction, then I think, uh, you know, you want to have a couple bullets left in the gun uh, from a policy standpoint, but things we don't really have that. Um, you know, when it comes to the, uh, the federal rates, but, um, but anyhow, a lot of the construction that, that goes on, residential construction has not ever picked up from what it was pre-2008. You know, for, for local 150, we used to have about 40% of our hours worth coming from residential construction. So that's if you think of, you know, out around like Plainfield, Oswego, um, some of the outlying suburbs, they were just building enormous subdivisions um, that required land to be flattened and graded and access roads put in and basements dug and, and all that kind of work. And, um, you know, quickly that evaporated. That went down to nothing. Uh, so our, our unemployment skyrocketed at that time. Uh, it would be tools. We train our workers for other industries. Um, I don't know if we're going to see the same thing, the same effect, just because construction never really got back to that level. Um, but a lot of, like the downtown high-rises, um, are, you know, rental and they're uh, residential. So the impact on that, I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of uh, new plant construction there. And it's similar to the commercial sector where, you know, while there are still power cranes going up in the air, um, um, buildings that are both residential and commercial and mixed use, a lot of people will say, we'll see that construction continues. Um, but there has been a massive drop in permitting for future starts. And so I think a lot of the high-rises, especially when those stop, uh, there's not really going to be a ton following them up. So it's likely to see a significant drop in commercial construction because a lot of businesses uh, have been suffering from being closed as well. I think people are a little bit more careful about spending their money because they're uncertain about what their job prospects long-term are going to be. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the, the strength that we're finding is in infrastructure. So Illinois last year passed a, a 10-year, $45 billion capital plan, uh, the majority of which went to roads, bridges, and utilities. Uh, the rest was uh, public buildings like museums, schools, you know, other other publicly funded construction. So much like in 2008, that work continued, and that was you know a massive boom to the economy. Back in you know the Great Depression, uh, SDR was, was a massive advocate of big spending, uh, deficit spending on things like infrastructure and public works and, you know, creating the national parks, just taking people and putting them to work in whatever ways we could just sort of, you know, build the infrastructure of our country. So that's something that we're, we're still seeing, you know, good, solid levels of work um, on infrastructure, namely transportation infrastructure. So despite the the, the reduction in motor fuel tax receipts, which comes from people with homes not commuting, you know, there was a drop of between 45 and 50 
25% between March and May uh, in gas tax receipts, which means less money to be put toward infrastructure. But IDOT is trying to maintain this year's budget, and it sounds like they're going to be able to. A uh, similar situation with the tollway. The tolls dropped at almost an identical level, about 50 to 55%, but they've had uh, budget allocations laid out for a couple of years now. It's a pretty conservatively run agency. Um, they don't overspend, uh, and so they're going to be able to keep their budget going, which is, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. You know, with the tollway, what they've got going on right now is the rebuild of I-294. Uh, they just settled a lawsuit over in Nebraska with Canadian, Canadian Pacific, Canadian National, Canadian National Railroad. That's going to allow them to, to start the ring road on the western edge of O'Hare Airport. So the tollway is going to have work that keeps construction workers going for several years still. Uh, and while I mentioned the airport, nothing's slowing down at the airport. If anything, the, the slowdown in, in runway traffic is giving them room to do uh, more construction work. And O'Hare Airport for the last 40 years has been the biggest construction project in, in uh, the Chicago area. So infrastructure is still pretty solid. One thing that's a little bit concerning is, um, you know, whenever every sector of the of the economy is struggling, as it did in 2009, 2010, 2011, you still saw a lot of spending in healthcare. You could still build beautiful, shiny new hospitals and uh, to the same degree pretty much managed care facilities, senior living facilities. And now we're seeing because of the, the slowdown in, in routine, you know, doctor's visits or elective procedures, a lot of hospitals are, are laying people off and then smaller non-network hospitals are closing um, or just, you know, shutting down, uh, shutting down entire departments or the massive downside. So, if healthcare is not there to support the economy or support construction, um, I mean, I, I think that it's it's going to uh, it's going to be a pretty bad time for a lot of construction workers. But it's also just a sign of, of a weakness in a part of the economy that we didn't see last time around. So it's an entirely different situation than it was the recession. Um, but uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully, as things open up uh, slowly and responsibly. Uh, the economy will start to kind of pick up steam because, you know, as, we, as we've seen, it's, it's really hard to gauge because the stock market, you know, it staged a rally and basically made up all of its losses uh, through 2020 or by a couple of weeks ago, and now it started getting a little bit shaky again. Um, the stock market doesn't reflect the, the economic reality for, for most people uh, because, once again, this week, the unemployment numbers were the people filing unemployment claims were higher than expected. So I think the reality is that, uh, that there's going to be sort of a long-term impact. And, and some of the things you can see in, in the construction permits and, and lettings. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, mean, I think from a, a construction perspective, that's, that's pretty much what I can say. Well, you mentioned the stock market. I'm going to come back to the construction issue, but you mentioned the stock market. When you said that, it doesn't reflect the reality of uh, the markets. There was a theory uh, that's been floating around uh, that because uh, the, the sports world is shut down, the the gamblers are turning to the stock market for their gambling jones. I don't know if you've been following this one, and that is, in, in fact, uh, what's – propping up the stock market right now the, the, the people who would normally bet on whether the cubs are going to beat the uh 
the Dodgers or what have you are now pumping their money uh, into gambling. It's basically gambling through the stock market as opposed to like long-term investment strategies. I don't know if you follow that one, Ed, but it just underscores the point you're making that the stock market doesn't really bear uh, a direct reality, uh, you know, to the everyday economy. What a terrifying prospect that is. Uh, you know, I, I haven't really, I haven't heard much on that, but it, it, it certainly seems realistic. And if you look back to the, the mid 2000s, I mean, the Great Recession was caused by, by basically gambling, whether it was, uh, you know, derivatives or, or CDOs or things like that. Uh, it was just in, insane, uh, creative sort of uh, gambling vehicles uh, within the financial industry that, that kind of caused, um, you know, that propping up to, sort of vanish immediately and leave absolutely no underlying strength and the whole thing collapsed. So, um, I don't know, now you've given me something completely new to worry about. So that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's a theory that's uh, pretty prevalent, by the way, uh, among stockbrokers. That's interesting. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard much, but I'm, I'm going to have to, uh, to do a little bit of light reading on that. Yeah, so maybe uh, with baseball opening up and basketball, uh, if we, you may see an adjustment uh, coming in the stock market. All right, let's talk. You were, you were talking about the amount of money that Illinois is investing in infrastructure, and before you came on, we played a commercial uh, that uh, I guess it was the Illinois Republicans D that have come out blasting uh, Pritzker as a tax and spend uh, uh, liberal. And one of the things they blasted him for is or the, the tax rates, uh, the increases that went to, uh, to fund some of these infrastructure programs. How deep? do you think the resentment is in the state of Illinois to raising money uh, for infrastructure projects? So I'll tell you what, I mean, there was, there were a lot of Republicans who voted for the gas tax increase and for the projects that it funded. There were some Republicans who voted against the gas tax increase, but voted for the project mm-hmm. uh, just so they could still, you know, take credit for the ribbon cutting, but uh, kind of cop out on actually paying for projects. Um, you know, the, the real increase in, um, in the gas tax, I want to say, um, you know, you could, you could probably see like a 10 or 12 cent increase per, per gallon, um, when, uh, when it went into effect. And when it went into effect, the price of oil went down. This was last summer. This was, I want to say July 1st of, uh, 2019. And so two months after the gas tax increase went into effect, gas was still 30%, 30 cents a gallon cheaper than it was um, prior. So I don't think at that time that there was a lot of, uh, there wasn't a lot of sticker shock. It's not that day that these reports were all, you know, today you might see a, you know, a shock at the gas pump, but because the price trend for petroleum was so, you know, so far down, uh, people never really saw a real increase at the pump. Um, but the need, and, and people on both sides of the aisle agreed to the need, uh, agreed with the need to, to fund infrastructure. Because at that time, we had such a backlog of not only roads, but bridges. I think almost 20% of our um, miles of publicly funded public transportation road in Illinois were in poor condition. And we had, I want to say, 1,200 bridges that were functionally obsolete or structurally deficient. So... It's uh, it's something that has to be addressed, and everybody agrees with it. Um, you know, whether it's at the state or the federal level, infrastructure is one of those things you can't neglect. And everybody agrees that the need was real. Um, you know, every year the Society of Civil Engineers comes out with a report card, a state by state report card, and a federal report card. And our infrastructure in Illinois was graded as a D 
So something had to be done. Um, and the, the cleanest way to fund infrastructure, the fairest way to fund infrastructure is by a user fee. Mm-hmm. So who pays for roads? If you're, if you ride a bike, if you ride a bicycle every day to work, should you be paying for wear and tear on the road? Arguably no. So that is paid for, uh, by the gas tax. So if you're driving on the road, if you're wearing down the road with whatever kind of vehicle you're driving, you're sharing the cost of that. If there's a, if there's a, a fairer way, um, I'd love to hear about it. You know, for a while there was, uh, some talk about what's called a vehicle miles traveled model of, uh, of funding transportation, which uses a transponder in your car to determine how much you're driving, how many miles you're driving and bills you accordingly or charges you accordingly. Um, that's an incredibly fair way to fund infrastructure, but there are a lot of, of privacy concerns. Some of them were, uh, were pretty well founded. And so that, uh, that proposal was pretty much DLA in the, uh, in the Illinois Senate when they started kind of talking about it maybe two or three years ago. Um, it's something that other states have looked at, but, um, but yeah, I mean, raising the gas tax is the way to do this. At a federal level, the president has talked about doing a, a trillion dollar infrastructure bill, which sounds awesome. Uh, but it hasn't been, it hasn't gotten any steam because the way that he wants to do it is by attracting private investors to pay for infrastructure. So, um, you know, the, the, the way to do this is the gas tax. I'll just be the first to, to say that. It doesn't sound good. Tax increase never sounds good. But the way to fund infrastructure is through increasing the gas tax, at least for now. Well, you know, until vehicles are so efficient that we move entirely over to electric vehicles, we've got to find something else. Um, but the way that they were talking about it at the federal level was uh, through public-private partnerships, like through the whole trillion dollars, which means um, you get a, you know, a, a, an investment vehicle, investment group to say, okay, well, we're going to fund the, let's say, the replacement of Chicago's water infrastructure. Now, they're an investment group, so they've got to make their money back, and then they've got to make a little bit more. So how, if you are replacing, you know, water pipes, how do you do that? You put a tax on water. Um you know, you could do that with a water system. You could do it with a bridge where you toll a bridge or toll a road. But what about a sidewalk? What about a bike path? Um, you know, there are not a lot of ways for a lot of critical um, but sort of uh, unrecognized infrastructure to return profit to investors. And I think that's something that a lot of a lot of people recognize in the in the infrastructure world. Could you get a public-private partnership to work for a highway like? The Indiana Skyway, or the, um, the Skyway, or the Indiana Toll Road, sir, because there's a way to recoup investment. Um, but for other things that you need, but uh, that are sort of, let's say, the, the less sexy version uh, or pieces of infrastructure, like curbs and gutter or streetlights, um, investors aren't lining up to, to pour their money into that kind of stuff. So that model doesn't work. Um, or it sure as hell doesn't work well for, for your average motorist or people who use. Um, you know, public water, which is everybody. If you get a private investment firm to pay for, you know, the, the reconstruction of the water infrastructure, what does that mean for people who, who use water? It means they're going to be paying for their water and they're going to be paying a little bit extra to the investment firm. Um, you know, that's, that's how that system works. And, you know, I think everybody should be a little bit uncomfortable with the idea that you could have new infrastructure and businesses would be profiting off of that for, for many, many years to come. So, I mean, that's not the way to do it. It's not a realistic. There's pieces of that that can work, uh, but for, um, for infrastructure at large, and especially transportation infrastructure, the first way to do it is to a, a gas tank increase. Uh, we did it in Illinois. 
they yeah. put it in Indiana. I don't think there's an appetite to do it in uh, Washington, but I, I think without that, we're not going to see any sort of meaningful investment for another piece or, you know, I don't know, the time being, at least until there's a, sort of a, a shift in the conversation. Well, I'll, I'll go one step further. I'm very skeptical, to put it mildly, and that's a very mild use of the word, uh, of any attempt. You, you, you mentioned the Skyway. I think of the parking meters. When you bring a private entity yeah. uh, in to, uh, into a venture like the Skyway, suddenly it's not a public interest thing. Ed. You have, to, you have sure. to sweeten the pot so that they're making money off of it. And so rates go up. The, the Skyway is so expensive. It's been so a while since I've been on the Skyway. Every time I'm like, God damn, this thing is expensive. And uh, I don't, you know, embarrassing moment here. Um, the little device you put on your car that gets allows you to go through the automatic uh, toll, uh, Ed, mm-hmm. it, it fell off and we lost it. So <laughs> we have to pay the toll itself. <laughs> A little confession time. Did it fall the- out of the car? <laughs> it fell out of the car. And uh, I, one of these days I'll go back to the jewel again. And the point is, I see how expensive it is. And, uh, you know, it's it's not just the, you're not just paying for upkeep of the road you're paying for the profits to run it. it's the same thing with right. the uh, parking meters for sure yeah i mean the parking meter example is uh is a, you know, a worst case scenario of what happens when you when you bring an investment vehicle into to just kind of raise some emergency funding right i think what did they lease those out for 99 years and i think they spent through all of the money in like 18 months yeah no it's uh what i always tell people the and this is approximates uh it, essentially, it was a loan. So essentially, right. the consortium of investors lent the city of Chicago about $1.1 billion, which at the time, the city was like, look at this, we're getting a billion dollars. Uh, and <laughs> over the course of the, the deal, we, the city of Chicago, will deliver to them approximately $10 billion. So the loan yeah. carries... Yes, that's billion with a B. Thank you, Mayor Lightfoot. Uh, <laughs> with a B. With a B. So yeah, that's the deal. It was essentially a loan, Ed. That's what it was. They lent us, they gave us the money up front and we're paying it back with interest uh, over the next 75 years. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, those those are the kind of lopsided deals that, that you're going to have to see to, to attract the type of interest because there will be a lot of people who are like, oh, over 100 years, we could double our money. Not a really great idea in the, in the investment world, but if you could make a tenfold increase in your investment, yeah, you'll get people lined up to do that. So, I mean, the, the kind of deals that you'll have to make to, to get a trillion-dollar plan like that to work are not going to be ones that are, are really in the best interest of the public. All right. Now, before I switch it to uh, national politics, we've been talking about the state of Illinois. Uh, get your thoughts on J.B. Pritzker uh, in the pandemic. We've spent a lot of time uh, before you came on uh, talking about some of the criticism Republicans been uh, registering against him. I'm very open. I I don't see a lot of legitimacy. This is me speaking about the Republican uh, criticism of Pritzker over the last uh, six months. To put it mildly, I don't see a, a lot of any legitimacy. I could say, uh, but what's sort of uh, the, your view or the view of, of people in your union about Pritzker? Uh, are they? Uh, is there a sentiment favoring the Republican criticism or are they uh, more supportive of Pritzker? No, I think there's a uh, there's majority, I would say, of support. Um, you know, our, 
members of our union are, are very well aware of, um, of what he did to support the, uh, the infrastructure package last year. It's the biggest infrastructure package Illinois ever had. Um, so there's a lot of support there. I think that, um, you know, our members are, um, with, with 23,000 members kind of spread around uh, Illinois and Indiana, we've got a pretty decent uh, sampling of every demographic. You know, I, I like to always say that we're like a small city. Uh, we've got everybody. We've got every kind of person that you find in a, in a small city. And you do have, um, you know, folks who have the, the don't tread on the uh, flag flying, uh, who are, you know, very anti-tax, but who, you know, work on projects that are funded by taxes. And then you have the majority that understand that infrastructure comes from, uh, or funding for infrastructure comes from tax receipts. So I think that uh, the majority are supportive of them for that reason. Um, now, I'll say from polling of our union and uh, of the public, we've also seen um, a massive jump in popularity for Pittsburgh during the pandemic. Uh, you know, there is a kind of a very loud minority that's, that's very upset about him, um, you know, doing the stay-at-home order or keeping businesses closed. But I think the majority of Illinois recognizes that it was the right thing to do and that the action was taken pretty quickly. And when you look at states that are, um, I think it's 23 states now where the numbers are going up of new cases, many of which where they had previously been declining, uh, Illinois is still declining. So that's we're, we find ourselves in that position, I think, because of um, pretty prudent leadership. And uh, so I don't know. I mean, personally, uh, I don't always agree with Governor Pritzker on his policies, but I think he's he's done a hell of a job in this. Uh, and if if after what you're seeing with uh, with our, our COVID statistics, with the number of cases continuing to go down, and our state being one of the only states. I think it's still the only state that meets the five um, federal criteria for reopening. If, if amidst all that, you're going to throw darts at him for raising gas taxes last year, you're really grasping at straws. Yeah, that's sort of how I see it as well. Uh, and I, uh, before we move to national, I'm, I think I told you this before, Ed, I'm, I'm worried about a spike even in Illinois. And, for sure. You know, oh, absolutely. Yeah, the impatience of people in this country. I, I, I mentioned this on the show, and I mentioned this to you earlier. Just, just the impatience of people. Uh, they've had enough. We're going back out. That's it. We're done with this. And then, you know, it's 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 not like the pan, It's not like the the virus is just going to disappear. And uh, so I find that very frustrating on many levels. Uh, I, the, I completely agree with you. All right, let's move to That's national. The, uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I do. Uh, let's move to national politics. I got this brand new poll in front of me, sure. uh, which uh, well, there's one from today's New York Times, and then the Washington Post uh, came out with its own poll. And uh, at the moment, the snapshot uh, is not very good news for uh, Donald Trump and the Republicans. The New York Times, both polls have uh, Biden up by about uh, 14 points uh, nationwide. Now, as we all know, uh, Ed, it's uh, electoral college is what determines the winner. Even uh, if Joe Biden gets 55% of the vote and he doesn't win the electoral college, Donald Trump gets to uh, run the show. But uh, this is the, uh, the New York Times deeper dive and the Washington Post deep dive shows that um, in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven swing states who have the ability uh, to... So, switch the election to carry the election for either uh, Biden or Trump. 
Uh, Biden has a at least a nine percentage point lead in the in the latest polls. And I'll just read to you those swing states. I, I was I found this uh, this surprising news. North Carolina is one of those states. Uh, Arizona is uh, another state. Florida, Michigan, Pennsylvania, uh, and Wisconsin. And uh, your general thoughts about that? Um, I mean, I think there's there are a lot of factors at play here. Um, now, I'm you're you're never at any point. You could be down fifty in the polls the day before the election, and you're still not going to catch me celebrating because I was pretty confident he was going to lose in 2016, and I was the uh, you know I was the guy staggering out of my house the next morning, not sure what was you know what the hell had happened. So I'm not putting any faith in any kind of polling, um, you know, or too much faith into any kind of polling. But I think that uh, things aren't looking very good for him because a lot of the resurgence in um, in these COVID cases is taking place in conservative states now. The initial waves uh, seem to, to take place in Democratic strongholds, and now the second wave is going through the South and the West, and uh, in a lot of places where people are looking for leadership now, many, you know, much like other states like New York and California and Chris here, I mean, we had governors that were extremely critical of the president uh, early on in this because there was a complete lack of leadership. And I think that some of these states are starting to see that now, um, where you have, you know, the governor of Texas just uh, they reopened everything about a month ago, and he just came out and said that he's urging everyone to stay at home now. So there's going to be a lot of confusion uh, in some of these typical uh, Republican states or in swing states. And there's there's just no hope, I, I think, for any kind of federal leadership on that. So um, I don't know. I mean, the, the president is a, he's a he's a rally guy. So his only hope is that he can uh, start drawing actual crowds to his rallies and and fire them up by you know making enemies out of whoever he can. Uh, that Tulsa, I think, was a pretty negative indication that he's going to be able to do that. So. I don't have a whole lot of faith in, in the ability of, of the president to, to sort of pivot and rethink a successful campaign strategy that doesn't involve rallies and fear-mongering and creating enemies out of thin air. So um, I don't know if that's going to be as successful this time as it was last time. Because I think a lot of the states where he was successful with that are going to find themselves unable to host rallies over the next couple of months. Mm. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I like to think that that uh, maybe this, this house of cards is kind of falling. Uh, but again, I, 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 I try not to be too optimistic. Well, if, if I just uh, can't take another, I can't take another morning like that. And yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, you know I mean? I'm going to break it to you. Uh, this, we were talking about this yesterday and I've read articles uh, in the papers today and online. It won't be the morning after this time in this coming, because so many people will be voting by mail it may be yeah. the week after. You get what I'm saying? It's going to right. be a totally different yeah. kind of election uh, in in this cycle. We won't know the winner, definitively know the winner for I don't know, maybe a week, ten days uh, afterward. And and you can see you can see how how can how sort of troubling that can be um, because there are states that are just um, very anti vote by mail, and I mean the president voted by mail. Uh, Ivanka is voted by mail. Jerry Kushner is voted by mail, and they're lining up saying this is not the way to do it. Voting by mail is—I mean, a lot of people haven't done it. I've definitely done it. It's easy. I mean, 
is the ideal way to vote, I think. Um, but, uh, you know, like the state of Kentucky, I think Louisville for Kentucky's primary had one polling place. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they cut the number of polling places by 95% across the state of Kentucky. So the only hope for some of these states to, to stay red is just by trying to squash turnout. Um, whether or not that works, I don't know. But if you've got one voting center in Louisville, Kentucky, a major city, uh, people aren't going to want to go vote because they're going to be worried about their health and their safety. So, I mean, the, the state of Illinois has already um, agreed to make Election Day a holiday. People aren't going to have to work on November 3rd. And vote by mail is going to be the law of the land in Illinois. Now, other states, I think, are going to tweak and screw with um, you know, election law as they see fit to, to get the outcome that they're looking for. Um, so it's it's going to be crazy. I mean, we thought voter ID laws and stuff like that were, were a little bit nuts, um, you know, over the last five or six years, and it is. I mean, the, the stuff that they've done with voter ID is disgusting and, you know, purging voter rolls of people who haven't voted in two years. Uh, but we're going to see a whole, a whole new way that they try to pervert the federal election system uh, over the next couple months, and I just hope that uh, I hope it doesn't work. I hope they don't get away with it because if if you can if you can do the things that they're talking about doing and still come out victorious and not get people protesting out in the streets, then you know I sort of worry about the future of the country. If you can get away with that, what else can you get away with? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a pretty spooky, slippery slope. Well, I I, I will make this prediction. Uh, I. I recall uh, Florida in 20, 2000 election uh, where it was they were counting the ballots by hand and the, the scene in the, in the, in the uh, warehouses where they were counting uh, the ballots. There were Democratic operatives, Republican operatives, they had lawyers. Uh, this is much the, the same way here in the city of Chicago at the Board of Election Commissioners, Ed, in a really tight aldermanic race where everybody's in a room. Yep. And I, I think we're going to see a lot of that. We're going to see yeah. a lot of operatives in a room clustered over, a, you know, board of election employees uh, counting ballots. And um, so yeah. I, I think that everybody knows the stakes. And I, I'm really hoping, and I, I'm, listen, I said this at the start of the show, all my eggs are in that Joe Biden basket. I kind of resent that in many ways, Ed, because Joe Biden and I don't agree to eye to eye on a lot of things. But For I sure. Find, I, Trump is such a disaster that I'm really, I feel like the country has to break his grip and get him out of office. Uh, and I sense that uh, I'm by no means alone. You, you, I just have believe that there will be so many operatives, the Democrats and the Republicans will just flood uh, these um, room, I don't know, rooms, uh, warehouses, wherever the votes are being yeah. counted. It's going to be a spectacle. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I don't uh, I don't disagree. It's hard to find a, a perfect political candidate. Um, but when it comes to this, I, I and when uh, when Bernie got um, when he stepped out, people were saying, "Oh, these you know Bernie supporters are not going to vote for Joe Biden." I mean, I was uh, a pretty big Bernie supporter as well. But when it comes to politics, um, it's always been pretty clear to me that you just can't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And then when it comes to candidates that may not be perfect for you. You know, if, uh, if, if you were standing there and somebody had a gun pointed at you and they said they were going to either shoot you in the foot or shoot you in the face, uh, I'll take the foot every single time. So, um, yeah, if, if 
Biden is not the perfect guy. Uh, well, it's a lot better to get shot in the face with another <laughs> four years of Donald Trump, at least in my perspective. Other people might see it completely the opposite, yeah. um, but I'll take anybody, pretty much anybody, within reason who's not named Donald Trump. I'm with you in that one, but I'm not sure that's a great slogan for any campaign. We'll shoot you in the foot. Uh, uh, Ed Meyer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks so much for uh, coming on again. Uh, stay safe. We'll talk to you next month, all right? That sounds great. Take care of yourself. Hey, see you, buddy. All right, that's great, Ed Maher. Right, take care, guys. And uh, that's it for today. We're Man, take... booming voice that guy's no, got. He's got oh, hey. Uh, any updates, Steve, before we head out the door? Yeah, we got some updates here. Uh, first off, shout out to the live stream chat. You guys are awesome. Uh, Kathy on the live stream chat is trying to get us to do some kind of a contest. But, uh, Kathy, we need things to give away. I don't think we have anything to give away. Ben, what do you got here in your attic that we can maybe give away? Well, I have... Oh, the reader coloring book. Yeah, the re- that is actually something we could give away. It's pretty cool. And the reader uh, reefer book. Uh, okay, so, yeah. that's cool. It's uh, recipes for... Uh, I'm looking around here. Yeah, and... Uh, um, paper and, towels. Yeah, no, bulls, okay. How about that bull's cup? A bull's cup? Uh, it's, it's very used, this bull's cup. That bull's cup was from, the I think, 1991. Okay, so we do have a prize, though. Uh, the Chicago Reader Coloring Book yeah. and that Reefer book. Yeah, the Reader uh, Reefer Recipe book. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, a Reader Reefer Recipe book. Hello. Okay, if you guys are interested in that, let us know in the live stream chat. Maybe we can do a contest. Uh, you know, so let me use my producer brain to whip something look up. Give me a few man. days. What? Oh, look at that, audience. Oh, it's a picture of Muhammad Ali. Great hosting, Ben. Oh, look at this. And how about this? Look, D. Oh, great. Keep this going. No, but this one is a really, this is another picture of Muhammad Ali. Uh, This is an obsessive Muhammad Ali fan. And this is a picture of Muhammad Ali. He's in a swimming pool underwater, and he's pretending he's boxing. And he wrote, and the quote is, I know where I'm going, and I know the truth, and I don't have to be what you want me to be. I'm free to be what I want. Muhammad Ali. So there we go. Give that away. All Although, right. I don't know if I want to give that up. Yeah. Well, you brought it up, dude. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, hey, here you go. How what? about this? A reader notebook. Oh, These are sh- really cool, by the Chicago way. Chicago reader notebook. Yeah. Reader notebook. Okay. Okay. We got some prizes here. Uh, Brianna weighed in and said, how about that... Uh, that milk carton back at the studio. Remember that? Oh, yeah. It's, I, I hope it's still there. You think they've ransacked our room? Maybe. Oh, I don't know. No. Yeah, Wouldn't I that be it's... crazy? We go in and it's a completely different show. <laughs> oh, hey, guys. <laughs> Franz uh, Spielman like just took it over. It's like the Twilight Zone. Ooh, come back. Okay, Kathy, we're not giving away Admiral Theater passes. <laughs> Why not? Why not? It, there's a pandemic now. going on. Yeah, you're right, good Good point, young man. All right. We do have some updates here. Uh, the following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times. Ben Pope? Ben, do I know you? Have I seen you in the Chicago Sun-Times bathroom? I don't know. I've never, I don't know if I've seen Ben Pope and Claire Proctor. Two names I've never uh, heard of here at the Sun-Times. Boy, we need to get back there and meet up, meet these new people. All right. The following comes from the Sun-Times. It says here, uh, Lane Tech High School considering changing their mascot. Ben, because you're the Biggest Chicago dork I know. What is the mascot currently of Lane Tech? I believe they're the Indians, aren't That's they? That's correct. Are they not? That's correct. Wow, I got it right. <laughs> Does Robert Mueller need to repeat himself? Yeah. My God. All right, one of Chicago's largest high schools may change uh, its hey, mascot. Just what? You're just going to let that go that I do that? Yeah, you're a dork. It's assumed. 
If you didn't know that, I wouldn't let it go. One of Chicago's largest high schools may soon change its mascot name and logo away from the Indians. Lane Tech principal Brian Tennyson sent an email to current students and families late Tuesday stating the school is working with Chicago Public Schools to consider selecting a new mascot. Uh, Brian Tennyson said, quote, during this important time of confronting racist structures within our society and in our school, we as a school community have been hearing from various stakeholders asking to change Lane's mascot. Tennyson stated in the email obtained by the Chicago Sun-Times and continued saying, quote, as a school community, we champion diversity, inclusion, and understanding, and it's essential that we live up to these ideas in all possible ways. Ben, two questions. Your thoughts here on them changing the mascot name and maybe uh, an idea for a new mascot name. I think they uh, should definitely change the mascot name, and I think they should change the name to Reefer Heads. Okay. <laughs> That's worse. <laughs> What? What's the matter with reefer heads? Oh, we're the Lane Tech reefer heads. Oh, yeah. We're going to go far in life. High school. Hey, it did wonders for you and me. Oh, yeah, because I'm just balling <laughs> in this attic. Good times. You know what? Whitney Young, I think you had the right idea all along. <laughs> Can't be mad at the Dolphins. Uh, ever. Uh, no, that. Uh, you know the nickname of the school that's across the street from you? Roosevelt High? Yeah. The Roses. No, the Rough Riders. Oh, I was close. Yeah. All right, so that's a story. <laughs> Wait, what's your thoughts on that? On reefer the Reefer Heads, I like that. That's horrible, the Reefer Heads. Stoners? Oh, okay. Well, it actually sounds cooler, but still horrible. Uh, so that's an update we have here. And a shout out to Frank, you're the man. I'm using your account. <laughs> Frank, thank you. You're propping up this empire. <laughs> How funny. No, he corrects us when we're wrong, which is a lot. Uh, and <laughs> and I, I, they won't give me a free subscription to the Sun-Times, so I have to use listeners' I, subscriptions. You could use my subscription, except I don't know where it is. and uh, I mean, my password. I just don't know where. It, I don't have it. And I've hit the paywall. I subscribe, and I've hit the payroll. I just ooh, Roe has a great uh, mascot name what? for Lane Tech: the Manatees. Oh, yeah, that's good. Oh, way better than the Stoners. <laughs> I like the Stoners. Uh, how about the Bulls? I love the Bulls. The Lane Tech Bulls. Shout out to Steven. Steven says Ben Jarofsky, pioneer of podcasting prop comedy. <laughs> you like that, huh? That's sarcasm. Oh, sarcasm? Yeah, big time. Uh, and we'll do one more update here. Uh, the following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times. And Sam Charles, two first names. All right, he says here, less than a day. Oh, this is in the headline reads, uh, Osandero brothers resume cooperation in Smollett prosecution one day after refusing to help. Uh, less than a day after saying they would no longer cooperate with Cook County prosecutors, two central figures in the Jesse Smollett saga are back on board, their attorney said Thursday. Hey guys, all listeners, can we just collectively stop giving a shit about the Smollett gate? I, it's over, guys. Yeah, I feel as... Bigger uh, fish to fry. Yeah, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, no, just uh, it, I think that uh, Kim Fox's triumph uh, in the uh, primary indicates that I think most people in and around the city of Chicago have moved on. Hey, here's a good name for Lane Tech. We got the lake nearby, the Lane Tech Lakers. Pretty good, right? 
Yeah, that's actually not bad. Right? Mm, good job. Who came Lakers. up with that? It was me. I oh. just came up with it. See? See what? The marijuana didn't hurt you. Your brain's working really well. Okay? There you go. Here, have another joint. Okay, I'm not smoking pot during the show. That's the show, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we uh, take a break. We'll upload it, and we'll come. We're not back. taking a break. The show's over. No, but you and I will take a break. But when you say take a break, it sounds like we're going on commercial. But what are you, a lawyer? All of a sudden, I'm a producer of a podcast. We are literally going to take a break, and then we're going to have an interview that we're going to do, which uh, you'll be able to hear at seven o'clock. Uh, the great show. I thank Ed Maher for coming on. Of course, thank the man, the myth, the legend, Pride and Joy of Alton, Illinois. Without whom the show cannot be possible. Back home in Alton, they call them the Lakers. Keep yourself raised. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. We're taking a break. And hey, remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows. There's like 500 of them. And Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcasts. which has nine hearts to represent the nine essential nutrients in milk. That's right, it's made entirely out of butter, and it, you know, it's a state fair tradition since at least 1922. I'm a Trumpocrat. The Trumpocrat, that's right. And for the record, I love puppies. Yes, that's billion with a B. Ugh, just stay home. Save lives. That's correct. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.